0: Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Good News Church, and uh, we're here to share a few announcements. Uh, One that I'm going to read right here from my phone, Uh, Father-Daughter Dance is coming up. Life is sweet. Join us for that annual Father-Daughter Dance on Saturday, October 14th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Daughters of all ages are invited to share in a special night of dancing, sweet treats, and fellowship with their fathers. Uh, This event will take place at our World Golf Village campus here, and uh, you can RSVP uh, by talking to Jackie Roche. And uh, there's also a link, but um, if you go to the Good News Facebook page, I think you could find the link there, or on the website, I'm sure. Um, And then also, we're going to talk about small groups a little bit. Can you raise your hand if you've ever been part of a small group? Okay. A lot of people that have been involved with small groups... Um, One thing we want to encourage you about is that it's really awesome that uh, everybody's here today. We've come to hear the gospel, to be reminded of the gospel together in this setting, and that's awesome. Um, But God also wants for us, he wants us to build Christian relationships and build Christian friendships. And I don't know about you, this is the truth about me, less so about Melissa, but our, our kids out there, they have a lot easier time making friends uh, than, than some of us adults sometimes. And uh, sometimes we can come to church, we can hear the gospel, and that's awesome, being reminded of the gospel. And then we can leave, and God has something more for us where he wants us to build uh, Christian friendships and, and you know, it's brotherhood and sisterhood of Christians. And, and one of the ways that Good News is helping for that is by helping establish small groups and it's an opportunity to get in with groups within the church and meet outside of uh, Sunday morning services and be able to talk about the word together, talk about what's going on in your life together, and actually build friendships and relationships with people that can know about your life and you guys can encourage each other and, uh, and, and do, <laughs> do life together. Um, there's a lot of different opportunities for small groups. There's small groups that meet every single week. There's small groups that meet every other week. Uh, Melissa and I, uh, we started a small group and our our schedule is a bit of a challenge right now. We actually started a small group. We meet once a month and we're just trying to be consistent with something. And we meet the first, actually the first Sunday of every month right here at the church, right after church. So if you're interested... Um, but there's a variety of different ways and, and you know, frequencies of, of uh, different groups that meet up and how you can get involved. And we just really want to encourage everybody to get involved with small groups. You're going to be hearing it more and more. Um, We're we'll just kind of give you an intro to that. And uh, Melissa, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, there
1: takes a level of bravery, too, for introverts who are a little scared. Um, to You know, what is it going to look like? What is it going to feel like? I don't make friends easily. Am I going to be weird and talk funny? Am I going to fit in? that's real and it doesn't for kids and adults yeah. um, and i would just encourage you to be brave and do it anyway and go and visit and meet people it's important to have friends in the church and be encouraged apart from just one hour every sunday amen so i know so- oh, i love you too i know some of y'all been thinking about it also small groups is not a drag i know there's a lot of stuff that we do and it's a lot and you can feel busy yeah. Um, After the first
0: uh, 10 minutes of holding hands and singing <laughs> Kumbaya, we, f- we feel pretty close to each other. <laughs> that so that's what it's going to be that like. That is
1: not what's no? happening okay. in our small group. <laughs> but yeah,
0: it's not as scary as you might think is the impression yeah. we're trying to get So across. try to
1: pe- press through that and um, find one that works for you. It's important. It's good for you. God's called us to do it. Okay, so everybody, if you see this, hold it up real quick. We don't have a slide here, but we can all look at the same thing. There you go. Okay, good news camp. This is a camp that's going to be happening September fifteenth, so it's coming up. What is that? A couple weeks. Um, We're really excited. Daniel and I are bringing our family. This is for families. It's not just for kids. And we're looking forward to having a good time with our friends in the church and going to hear the word and having fun outdoors, um, so if you have been thinking about it, there's still time to register, uh, go on the website um, and register while you still have time, okay? And if you have any questions, who who can they reach out to? Probably, probably Jackie, or there you go. Swing hammer. Yeah, swing hammer. <laughs> so um, that's it, and then we're going to welcome Clint up to the stage and right. thank him for being here this morning.
2: All right. All right. Well, good morning. hope everybody's doing well. I want to know how uh, Kumbaya got such a bad rap. Come on. I mean, I remember, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm 40. So I remember some of my best camp memories were singing Kumbaya. And now they're like, oh, it's like a bad thing. So I was like, come on, man. Kumbaya. I, I went to uh, Cedar Kirk. I don't know if anybody's been to Cedar Kirk, but it's in uh, Central Florida. So um, also, uh, hey, look, if you have a daughter, man, I want to encourage you to take advantage of the father-daughter dance. I I have a daughter that just graduated from high school, and uh, and so I we went to about three or four of those when she was a little bit younger. We went to one when she was in middle school, and it was awesome too. And uh, so take advantage of that. It's an incredible moment. They're actually going to uh, – Plan the night so that it's kind of a night where you maybe take your daughter out to dinner, and then you come and you have the father-daughter dance, and then a whole evening. So if you have a teenage daughter, this is still for you. I'm going to tell my daughter to come home from school, from college, and we're going to be there together too. And, and uh, uh, Travis was showing the, the, you know, the church plants, and one of them is Winter Haven. And so this is nothing against Winter Haven. I'm actually from central Florida, about 30 minutes south of Winter Haven, and my town's not big enough to be on that map. But uh, Winter Haven is, and I, it reminded me that uh, that Winter Haven is a winter haven, but it's a summer hell. All right, so <laughs> and uh, so, and, and and the trick that it plays on you. I was just talking to a guy uh, last week that came down to Florida and uh and he came down in december and he's like this is amazing he went back to michigan sold everything he had sold his house and then he moved down in august came back and he's like what happened you know and he just had no idea what august was going to be like so winter haven has tricked a lot of people there's a lot of old folk living in winter haven who are like whoa we came down in the winter so um man we are so glad you're here today um we, let's just pray, and then we will get into the word. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Um, thank you for the love um, that, you, that you give us, even when we haven't earned it, even when we don't deserve it, the love that you give us through Christ Jesus. Lord, be with us today, Lord. Open our eyes, our hearts, our ears, just to hear you, to be moved by you, um, to hear your word. Lord, we thank you. And we, we're just grateful to be together today, grateful to be together to lift up your name and to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been looking at 2 Timothy. Oh, before I start, we are celebrating two first-time commitments to Christ this week. So now Pastor Dave does this every week, but I always think, man, I, I, if there's somebody who doesn't know what that is, these are uh, like life rings, right? So it's kind of like if somebody's dying and, and you throw them a life ring, and you and they're saved from the life rings. So that's what that represents. They're life rings. They're not just like you know circles, you know. So, uh, um, but uh, so we've been in 2 Timothy, and I'm gonna just start real quick with um, uh, talking about what da- Pastor Dave talked about. By the way, he is celebrating his the first birthday of his first grandson, and at uh, first grandchild, um, not just grandson, but first, so they're they're that's where they're at today. Um, but Second Timothy, the last three weeks we've been talking about. Um, this. It says in Second Timothy 2, um, it says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is, this is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. This is the last letter that Paul writes, and he's writing it to Timothy, who's in charge of the church. And he's writing it to him knowing Paul's like, look, he's, I'm not getting out of this prison that I'm in. Things are not looking good. I'm waiting. Um, but I'm probably, this is, this is probably my last communication with you, and I probably don't see you again. And so he's living out a reality of, of, of suffering for Jesus, right? And so sometimes we make the joke of like, yeah, I'm going to Hawaii on a mission trip. I'm suffering for Jesus. Like that's, that's about the only time I ever really hear that term. But he's literally living out a reality of suffering for Jesus. And he says, "But and he knows what's coming for Timothy. He's living out the reality. He knows where he's at. He knows what he's experiencing. And he knows that same thing's coming for Timothy. And he writes in this letter, he's like, bro, you need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not the strength that you have. Not the strength that you can muster up. But, bro, you're going to have to have some strength. And it's going to have to be through the grace that only Christ Jesus can give you. And he says in the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And then he at, and then he says this, "Join me in the suffering. Join me in suffering." I don't hear I don't I don't I don't think that's the way we usually tell people about Jesus, right? But Timothy's in a place of leadership, but we don't usually say, "Hey, do you know Jesus? Do you want to join me in suffering?" right? That's not usually the way we approach it, but, but he's writing to a person that's in leadership of the church. Join me in suffering. And this is the thing that Pastor Dave talked about the last three weeks, about being trainable and available and, uh, and uh, teachable. And, and so he says, but this is the three, the three things that he, that Paul's like, look, this is the way you need to be, right? It's not in your strength. It's in only the strength, the grace the and the strength that Jesus can give you. But man, it's like a good soldier, Of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except for competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive the share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight in all of these. And so this is how, um, you know, that he's, this is how he's kind of introducing this this moment, right? He's asking, join me in the suffering. And then he, he likens following Jesus to these three things. A soldier. What's a soldier do? Man, he fights. He battles. What's an athlete do? He trains. He competes. What's a farmer do? He works hard. I grew up in the country, man. Farming is a big boy job, right? And I wasn't big boy enough to like to do it. And my, my, my dad used to wake me up at 6 o'clock in the morning. My family owned Orange Groves. After I played a football game, playing the whole time, woke me up at 6 o'clock in the morning. was like, get up. We're going to the Grove. And he would literally drop me off and be like, I'll be back in 10 hours. You do your job or I'm going to whip you behind. Right? Thanks, Dad. Being 10 is fun. Right? So I, I, I figured out quick, I don't have what it takes to be a farmer. Right? And uh, it's a big boy job. All right? So so soldier, athlete farmer. This is what Paul is saying. Look, it's, you got to have strength, not just your kind of strength. Man, Christ's strength, strength that only Jesus can give you, but you got to have a little something in you, man. He didn't say come here like so much. Soldier, fight, battle, athlete, compete, train, farmer, work, right? Man, I, that, look, let me say this. I am not a tough guy, all right? I am an athlete and a coach in a lot of ways, so I get fired up about some competition. I've never been in a fight, I don't want to be shot at. I've never been punched in the face. I don't know what that feels like. So I'm not sitting here. Tr- I'm not going to sit in a position myself as a as a tough guy. Not at all. I don't like to shoot stuff. I shot a deer one time and I cried. All right. I like animals too much. I was an embarrassment to my redneck family. I was like, <laughs> so so. That's the first thing my li- wife liked about me. So it worked out. Um, but I don't like shooting stuff. I mean, I'm from the country, but I ain't got much country in me except for accent. So. Um, so, but I thought about this and this is the, I'm going to read the Navy seal code and I I, want to read this because I want to look, this is, let's, let's, this, this is kind of a modern day what Paul was talking about. Now this is a paragraph. They kind of boiled it down into like bullet points, but this is what, this is it written in paragraph and it says this, my loyalty to country and team is beyond reproach. I humbly serve as a guardian to my fellow Americans, always ready to defend those who are unable to defend themselves. I do not advertise the nature of my work, nor seek recognitions for my actions. I voluntarily accept the inherent hazards of my profession, placing the welfare and the security of others before my own. I serve with honor on and off the battlefield. The ability to control my emotions and actions, regardless of the circumstance, set me apart. Uncompromising integrity is my standard. My character and my honor are steadfast. My word is my bond. I expect to lead... And be led. And in the absence of orders, I will take charge. I will lead my teammates and accomplish my mission. I lead by example in all situations. I will never quit. I persevere and thrive in that adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If I am knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish my mission. I am never out of the fight. Man, that gets me fired up, right? Now look, I say, I don't want to be shot at. Don't get me wrong. Thank God for military people who are way tougher than I am. Thank God for people who serve in the military. But that that gets me fired up. That makes me want to punch somebody. Let's go, right? No, not really. So, but I, I, that, dude, that's, that's what's up. I mean, that, that now, in my mind, I think of standing in front of a team talking about that way. I don't really, I don't, I'm not tough enough to stand in front of like an enemy who's like, you know, I'm like, oh, oh, just run, right? And, uh. But dude, that's a, that's a heavy code right there. That's that's awesome, and I, I I think that's what man I think that's what Paul was talking to to Timothy about. Look, this is everything else after that needs to be kind of seen through that kind of experience and filter. Now that's not biblical, but I think that's what, that's what Paul's trying to give Timothy right. He's trying to he's trying to he's trying to get a little staying power right now. Just by the way of comparison, I want to read you. Don't put it up yet. Don't put it up yet. I am going to read to you a, a uh, an excerpt from a church website. Now, th- I'm, this, I'm not I am not uh, throwing shade at this church. Right, it's not throwing shade at the church. But it, they go to the church website. Don't worry, it's nobody locally. Right, so you don't have to go look check out locally. It's nobody locally. It, it, but the, on the part of the church website, it says, "Hey, what to expect when you arrive?" Right. Now, that's not uncommon. I mean, good communication would tell people, "Hey, when you arrive, here's what you can expect." That's good church communication. But this is what it says. A casual atmosphere, friendly people who will help you find your way around, today's music, high-impact media presentation, messages relevant to your daily life, an amazing children's space, a Starbucks-esque cafe when you, that you can relax, recharge, and relate in your comfort zone with a coffee in your hand, cafe tables and a Wi-Fi zone to soothe your inner geek, and you will find that you matter to God. That's good. Whether you're single, married, single again, with or without children, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been or what you've done, you are invited to experience the difference here. Now, does anybody else just think that soft? Right? Like, I mean, like, I use the word soft a lot because it's just like, man, it's like, it's, shouldn't it, should if you're, if you're engaging into a relationship with Jesus, Paul's like, you know what I want to invite you to? Suffering, right? And then these, and then and this is like, we don't want to invite you to. A cafe where you can hang out, have your coffee, be comfortable. Be, but here's the thing. Again, I'm not showing, throwing shade on that church at all. They're just reacting to what we've become as a culture, Christ, culture, cultural Christian. They're reacting to that. They're reacting to the way that I've been in my life, not just everybody else. It's really easy for me to want to be comfort, comfortable. I err I, 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 w- w- to the side of comfort. I just like I don't want to go to a football game. I love football. It's too much effort. I want to sit on the couch with my dog and watch it. Why? It's more comfortable, right? And I'm too cheap to go buy a ticket. So, but I, I err to the side of comfort. And so I've had to, I've had to notice that in my life and be like, bro, I want to be what Paul is asking Timothy to do. I want to be the Navy Seal. I don't want to be the the person that's like, yeah, I went to church today and had my coffee and sat in my comfort zone, right? And so, again. It's just real easy to be a cultural Christian, but Jesus is calling us into discipleship, and that church—not again, nothing—I'm not saying anything about them. They're reacting to what they people want. They want to become a cultural Christian. They want to show up on Sunday and check the box. But Paul's calling us into—I mean, Jesus is calling us into discipleship. Paul's saying, "Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a disciple, I'm inviting you to come along. I'm inviting you to come see it. I'm inviting you to come suffer, right? And so." This is where we pick up, right? So I would just say, like, everything we just talked about, can we just kind of make that the filter for what we're about to read as we get into the, uh, the next thing here? And, and so 2 Timothy 2, this is our reading. our reading. This is our scripture for today. Um, it's, it's building on what, what Pastor Dave read. 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 13. We're just going to read. It says, Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I have suffered hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I will endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen. So that, you, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. This statement is trustworthy. For if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And if we're faithless, he remains faithful and he cannot deny himself. And so we're just gonna work through this a little bit today. And then we're gonna to get to the point of the kind of the, the point really is today is that, that we need to remember Jesus, but we're, we're also talking about the cost, um, counting the cost. And so, but the first point is it, 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 Timothy, I mean, that uh, Paul starts with Timothy is remember Jesus Christ. Like this is the point. The point is to remember Jesus Christ. Even if you go back up, he's like, look, you need to be strong, but you need to be strong in your faith in Christ. You need to, be, you need to remember Jesus. So when, you are, when you're where I'm sitting, when you're suffering, when you're in change, when you're whatever it is kind of suffering that you might have, you need to remember Jesus. And that means you need to c- recall to the front of your mind Jesus. You need to recall. And so you need to not re- forget why you're here. You need to not forget what he did for you. You need to not forget where you're going. Right, And so you need to remember Jesus. Timothy, you don't need to know more. You don't need to know more in this moment. Paul didn't need to know more. I need to remember more right now. I need, I need, to, I need to remember what Jesus did for me. I need to remember why I'm here. I need to remember that Jesus is risen from the dead and he and I, I'm going I'm to reign with him forever. I need to remember Jesus. I don't need knowledge. I need a remembrance of Jesus right now. And so and, and th- that, that, that's kind of the point today, right? Is that when we find ourselves in a position of, of whatever we would consider suffering, right? Now we're not suffering like Paul, but we, you, you might think, man, I, you know, putting my pride together in my marriage is suffering. It is sometimes, right? But but we need to remember Jesus. Remind yourself. Call to the front of your mind Jesus. Forget we forget way too easily. We forget way too easily, and so I, I don't. I, I do this. You guys have seen this. You've been around. It's called. It's just uh, the Do You Know booklet that we use this a lot with with uh, with students with people. But I just think but Pastor Dave says this all the time the the gospel isn't a one time deal. We all need the gospel every single day. I've been a believer since I was 14. Every day I need to be reminded of the gospel. I need to remember what Jesus did for me. I need to remember the gospel. And so that because there's the bad news. I need to remember the bad news. Outside of Jesus, I I sinned and I've fallen short of the glory of God. And I and my, my my punishment is eternal death. Like without Jesus, I don't suffering looks a whole lot different. Because of my sin and because of the separation that that sin caused me in my life, what sin looks like and what that punishment looks like, that's suffering. And now Jesus, the good news, Jesus comes along and he pays the price for my sin. And, and yes, there are times where now in me following Jesus that there are things that we might consider suffering. But man, choose your heart. You, saying yes to one thing means saying no to something else. It's always that way. If I say yes to something in my schedule, I'm saying no to something in my schedule. If I'm saying yes to something I'm living for, I'm saying no to other things I don't need to be living for. And so th- there, is, there is the bad news and the good news. The bad news is I'm sinful and i am fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, eternal separation from God. A, a, a separation from God, which means hell. But the good news is that Jesus, the good news is is Jesus... And I need to remember, I need to remind myself every day, even when I'm like, I'm feeling like I, I want to ease towards comfort. I'm feeling like I just want to have my pride in my marriage or with my kids. I'm feeling like this. I need to remember Jesus. Because suffering, can for us, sometimes suffering is just us doing something that we don't want to do. It's the thing we should do. And it's not even that hard, but we consider it suffering because it, it, it doesn't fit in with the, what I want right now. And more times than not, that's what suffering is to us. Maybe we suffering is stepping out and sharing, the faith of, sharing our faith in Christ and, and having maybe that awkward moment with somebody who's like, I don't want to hear that. That's probably the extent of most of us suffering. Now, I'm not, we can't speak for everybody, right? I mean, we, as far as for Christ, okay? And so remember Jesus Christ. And then he gives us two ways, specific ways to remember Jesus. One is remember him as, the, as risen from the dead, And then two, remember him as the descendant of David. Why these two things? Remember him as risen from the dead. Remember him that he is fully God. When you remember Jesus, remember he is fully God. He is risen from the dead. He is is alive. He is our living hope. He is triumphant over death. Because he triumphs over death, so do I. Remember him as fully God, risen from the dead. Also, remember him as the descendant of David, fully man. He came from man. Why Why does that matter? Because every Jewish person knew what that meant. It meant that Jesus was the Messiah, right? In in, uh, John 7, 42, it says, He has has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village of where David was. And so remember him as God and remember him as man. He went through those same things. And so I'm gonna gonna just read this because it's just short, but this is what Paul's telling Timothy. So remember Jesus, the one that you serve. This is not Paul's words. These are just kind of whatever. Um, the one that you serve, the one from whom you suffer, for whom you suffer. He's not just alive from the dead, but he's alive as the king who will reign forever. Of his kingdom, there's no end. No matter what they do to you, you do not need to be afraid. You will live again, and you will reign with him. And I'm telling you, that's Paul's, it's different than, hey man. So, the second, verse nine, he says this. For which I suffer hardships, even to imprisonment as, as a cr- criminal. For which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. I mean, Paul's saying, look, I, I have, I am, and I will suffer. I have suffered, I am suffering, I will suffer. Timothy, have, am, will. Just so you know, it's coming, right? And so Paul, well, Paul assumes, Paul assumes, his, his, his reality says it, and, and, but he assumes that following Jesus is going to end up with some suffering. Right? Following Jesus isn't all candy cane and rainbows. Right? It's going to end up in suffering. I have suffered. I am suffering. I will continue to suffer. Alright? And so he's saying, for which I suffer hardship even to imprison. And then he says, but the word of God is not imprisoned. The word of, I might be chained. But the word of God isn't. I might be stuck, but the word of God is out. The word of God is, is moving and active. But through, through uh, faithful people who are going out and, and sharing the word. Just because I'm in chains, just because I'm in prison, isn't stopping God at all. And so and then this is big and 10 he says this for this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they all they they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with eternal glory when Paul's saying this he's like it's worth it man I endure it's worth it and it's interesting that he says I'm doing this for those that are chosen and, and also that they may obtain sal- uh, obtain the salvation so He's not even saying, look, I'm doing this for the lost. He's not even saying, man, this is worth it because I'm, I'm laboring for the lost. Oh, he's laboring for the ones that God has chosen. and But if they're chosen, what then he says, but also may obtain salvation. So there's an important point right here. And let me say this, there's one salvation, there's one way to salvation. Jesus is the way to salvation in every way, and there's only one salvation. But the Bible gives us three tenses for salvation. A past tense, a present tense, and a future tense, right? And so the past tense you would say is is uh, Ephesians two, eight through nine says, "For grace you have been saved." So if you have been, that means it's past tense. For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that you that no one may boast. So have been saved. Then there's the the present tense of saved, and it says for. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then there's a future tense of Romans 5.9 says, since we now have been justi- justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Again, there's one salvation. This is not three different salvations, but there's just a process, there's a journey, there's a growing, there's a maturity in our, in our faith and our salvation. And so there's, there's, there's three words that the Bible lays out for us that kind of lay out with that, with that same mentality of, of, of past tense, present tense, and future tense. The past tense is justification. Justification is this. It's the instantaneous act of God whereby his, he forgives the sinner and all sins and declares them perfectly righteous. Justification is possible possible solely on the grounds that Christ has borne every sin committed by the sinner. So justification is something that should, if, if, you've, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you put your faith in Christ, you've been justified. It was, it's a, it's kind of a one-time act in that way. It's, it's a, it's a past tense. I am, you stand just as if, and justification this is kind of how I learned it, was just as if, I stand before God just as if I never, I never sinned. I was in my sin, but justification allowed me to stand before a holy God, just as if I didn't, right? And so I have been saved. June fifteenth, fourteen. When I was fourteen, wait, how I, old? I don't I forget what. nineteen eighty four June fifteenth, nineteen eighty four. I have been saved. That's when I put my faith in Jesus. But then there's also this thing, this word that's called sanctification, which is kind of a present tense, and sanctification is both a position and a process whereby the believer moves from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity over time, and he or she learns God's Word and makes good choices to live God's will. And so I I, I have been saved, but now sanctification is me learning to live out my faith and to live out what God has done for me in my life. It's a a present tense. It's a process. And then there's the future tense, which is glorification. It's in the final phase of a believer's salvation experience a salvation experience, and occurs when he or she leaves this world, either by death or by rapture, and enters into the presence of God in heaven. And so Paul, if we go back to what he was talking about in, in 10, you don't have to go back, but he says, for this reason I endure all things, for the sake of those who are chosen, for the sake of the ones that are already saved, not just the lost, for the sake of the ones who are already chosen, who have already given. Their I'm enduring. Uh, not just for the lost, but for the sake of the ones that are chosen so that they all also may obtain the salvation. The salvation of what? The salvation of, of, of sanctification and then ultimately glorification. And so we can shorten these real quick. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Justification is this. We have been delivered from, sin, from sin's penalty. Sanctification is a process whereby we are being delivered from sin's power and glorification is ultimately in heaven will be delivered from sin's presence. I'm going to read this again to make sure we know, right? Not this. There is only one salvation. There's not three salvations. There's one salvation. There's one way to salvation at every stage. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. We come with empty hands seeking mercy from a heavenly father. All of those are dependent on God. But there is a level. There is a level of which Paul is saying, come on. Come on, Timothy. Soldier. Athlete. Farmer. Come on, man. It's... It's, it's, we're, all, we're completely dependent on God for grace and mercy and everything, but there's got to be something in us, right? I, I am worthless on my own without Jesus. But am I willing to compete for Jesus? Am I willing to go to battle for Jesus? Am I willing to, to, to have something in my, in my body that wants to work hard for sanctification, that wants to grow, that wants to leave the infancy, the infancy of faith and grow and mature? And so back to... 2 Timothy 2 the, the next thing he says is this in 11 he says now this statement is trustworthy now by saying this statement is trustworthy he's not saying some things that are that i say in this letter are trustworthy and some things <laughs> that things that i say aren't what he's saying is this is that there is what he's about to say in the in most bible uh, versions it's th- this this next piece is inset right just like it is on here it's inset and so um, so Paul is, is, is repeating a common phrase or re- repeating a common expression. it could be from from a hammer but he, this is not Paul's originally wor- original words. So he's now um, quoting something to Timothy and he's saying, look, hey this is this is something that's going around and this is a, but, I, but this is a trustworthy statement. Not everything you're hearing, Timothy may be trustworthy not in my letter but just in, 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 in circles of Christianity at the time but this, this is trustworthy. I'm putting my stamp of approval on it. So he says, for if we died with him, we also live with him. And so this is two things. If we die to him, died with him, means if, if I'm dying, dying of myself, dying of the things that uh, uh, and renouncing my own desires and preferences to adopt his, if I'm dying and to, to this world and the, and, the, and the earthly desires that I have and I'm, I'm, my, myself is dying so that I can adopt the call of Christ Jesus on my life. But it could also mean, it will also mean in Paul's situation, if I die to him, like he's gonna die soon, right? If I die with him, I will also live with him. Paul's saying, look, this is a trustworthy statement. If I die with him, then I'll also live with him. But then he goes a step further because this is, this is not the same thing that he's about to say. It's an advancement. It's an addition to. But if I endure with him, I'll reign with him. See, dying is, is, is kind of that decision to say, God, I'm putting everything aside that's not, that, that, that's not of you. I'm not, I'm not going to be attached to this world. I'm not going to be lived. I'm not going to have uh, uh, my own desires as the most important thing. I'm, I'm going to adopt yours, right? And he says, um, but, if, but to endure that is to, is to continue on, and we will also reign with him. Paul's not just talking about placing our faith in Christ, leading to eternal life and entrance in the kingdom of God, but reigning with him after, as an eternal reward. It's about believers maximizing what they can accomplish for the Lord in this life. So he's not just talking about putting your faith in Christ. He's talking about you maximizing that for him on this, in, on this earth, in this life. Because it's one thing to make a decision to say, God, I'm, I'm, putting, I, I'm, get, I'm surrendering to you. It's another thing to wake up every day and say, God, use me. God, take everything that, that, that's gonna keep me from moving forward for you and racing for you. Man, take it away. I wanna endure. I wanna keep going. I don't care what kind of hardships come my way. I'm I've already made the decision to to to, to trust you, but God, I want to endure in that. I want to run with that, right? And so, so he says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And then, it, then so those first two, for if we died with him we'll live with him, and if we adore, we'll also reign. Those are positive statements, right? Those are, those are good things. They end up in us living with God, having him as our treasure, living with Jesus, having him as our treasure, and then reigning with Jesus, having, having an eternal life with Jesus. Those are positive things. But in 12, he says this, but if we deny him, what does deny mean? Well, deny is the opposite of all those other things we were just talking about. If I put my trust in him, and if I, uh, if I renounce my own desires for his, if I'm, if I'm giving everything to Jesus, then, I, then, then that's how I'm dying to him and I'm enduring with him. Well, what's denying him? Denying him is not giving him any of those things. Not giving him my life, not giving him my desires, not, 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 not understanding the value that he has. If I, if I deny him, then he will also deny us. And Paul's saying, look, he, he's faithful in a way that if you, if you die with him, you'll live with him. Jesus will be faithful, right? If you endure, you'll reign. Jesus will be faithful. If you deny him, Jesus will be faithful and deny you, right? Because Jesus can't be unfaithful, right? Faithful to what? He's faithful to himself first, right? Something And, because, and that's important to know because what we're about to get to, it's almost like I've heard this more and more and more and it's interesting because even in my studies of it, people would say, oh, older um, uh, teachings of this all meant one thing and then now newer teaching means, uh, all the newer teaching sometimes means this, but this is what it says. It says if we're faithless, Not if we're faithless, right? What does faithless mean? No faith, right? If we're faithless, then he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. And so if you go back up, the first two were positive and then he has this kind of warning that if we deny him, he also denies us. But if we're faithless, he remains faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to himself, faithful to who he is, faithful to his word, faithful to what he has said. Jesus cannot change. Jesus cannot change the, the game. He cannot change the rules. He cannot change his mind. He cannot, cha- he cannot show um, uh, 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 in, in any way just change. So he's faithful. And so if we die with him, we'll, we'll live with him. If we endure, then we'll reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we're faithless, what? then he remains faithful, faithful to him. And I've heard this taught a lot of times. i like, oh, that it's understand the context that this, this whole little line a lot of times is, is, has been used as, um, as assurance that should not be. And, and this is that, oh, even when you're faithless, Jesus remains faithful, for he can't deny himself. Even when you show no faith in Christ, Jesus is gonna be faithful to you because he can't deny himself. That's not what it means at all. It means that if we are faithless, he is remaining faithful to what he has said from the very beginning of time. That if we, if, if we, if we proclaim him, and we love him, and we die for him, and we endure for him, then he will, we will live with him, and we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us, right? And so if we're faithless, he remains faithful to what he said in the very beginning. Not to, faithful to him, faithful to God. Not to me, just because I, because I mess up. I don't, I don't want to give, I don't want I'm not I'm putting my faith in Jesus and then but he's still going to be faithful. That's not what he says at all. Now, it's important to say this is that as we talk about faithfulness, uh, Smiley and Dave say this a lot to each other. I guess Smiley asked Dave, and this is Dave's response. Have you been faithful? And Dave will say, yes, except for when I haven't, all right? And so faithfulness is, there's faithful, like, man, you're full of faith. And there's faith less, means you won't have any faith. And then there's, if you're living for Jesus, you're somewhere in the middle. So I'm not saying this isn't like, hey, if you mess up, right? I think of it as like, if you're driving and you get lost, sometimes you, you might run off the road and you get back on, right? You're like, well, what? And then sometimes you just get lost, bro. You're like, uh, I'm that, you know, whatever. But you're always trying to get back on where you should know you should be going, right? I mean, in my mind, that's just a simple, simplistic way to think about that. It's another thing, if I'm like, that's my destination, I'm out, I'm driving this way, right? That's faithless, right? I am the person who's like, oh, I'm coming. I know where I'm supposed to be coming. I'm driving to Jesus. Oh, no, you know, and then ran off the road a little bit. And then, oh, I got lost. I got, I got taken off this, this exit, wrong exit. Oh, I gotta get back on, right? That's probably most of us. That's not what he's talking about. If, he's, if we're faithless, then he cannot deny himself. So, so Jesus says, count the cost. And we're gonna get through this pretty quick. It says this, so Jesus is calling himself calling his followers to discipleship. Jesus is calling his followers to discipleship. And so in Luke 14, he says, uh, 28 through 31, he says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first, did I say something funny? Who would begin the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Everybody knows that. It's like, was it instant? Was there anybody that had to think about where it came from, or was it instant automatically? You're like, dude, I saw an I-4. So this is what Jesus is saying. Don't count the cost. Who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see it and see if they have enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of the money, and then everyone would laugh at you. And they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. I wonder how many times the people that built that have heard that scripture. <laughs> or if people actually quoted that, like just walking by, there they are, you know, whatever. So, um, and, so, and then he says in 31, or what kind of king would go to war against another king without first settling down, uh, sitting down, sorry, with the counselors and discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat 20,000 soldiers? And so Jesus is calling his disciple, I mean his, his followers into discipleship. Not just a first-time decision of faith, but discipleship, enduring. Paul's saying, look, it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's going there's gonna be some suffering involved. Look, it's going you're gonna have to put your pride aside. You're gonna have to keep going in your marriage even though you don't want to. You're gonna have to keep going in your parenting, even though you want to kick him in the face. You're gonna have to keep going. And I'm sorry, that came out on me, so my bad. Um, so uh, so. Keep going, but Jesus is calling people in discipleship and he's reminding them it's like building a tower and not being able to finish it. And so here's the question. How do you count the cost when you don't know what's coming? How do you count the cost? Jesus is saying, look, count the cost. How do we know? How do we know what counting the cost even means? Because I don't know what's coming. I don't know as as if, if I'm gonna get to a place where I'm like, cost is too high, I'm out, right? I don't know what's coming my way. So how do I count the cost? Well, Jesus would say this. Jesus requires an upfront commitment to the highest possible cost. He requires a commitment to the highest possible cause, and nothing later will surprise you if that's the case. And so that little, that scripture we just read about the the building and the the soldier is, 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 is set in between two answers that he gives. And he says in Luke 14, 26 to 27, he says this. is the highest price. Look, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, this is an extreme language. And it seems out of context because Jesus wouldn't want us to hate, right? But it's an extreme language. But what he's saying is that like the first extreme language is I'm calling you to something that's going to look like hatred for others. Your love for me is going to be so overwhelming that it's going to look like hatred to anybody else. Now, I don't think Jesus wants us to walk around hating our wives. That would be outside of context. But it's going to, it's, your, your, my, your love for me is going to be so overwhelming that it's going to look like hatred of other people, Right? And then the second extreme language is that I'm calling you to get on the cross, which means willingness to die an excruciating death. This is not a metaphor, right? This is what he went through. This is what some of his followers went through, that the highest possible cost, that's what I'm calling you to. And then if it actually is a high cost at some point, which let's be honest, for us it's usually not, but if there is a high cost, it's not going to be surprising. Jesus is calling us from the very beginning, an upfront commitment to the highest possible cost. And then there's no negotiating. He says after that scripture, the one about the, about the, uh, the building and, and, the, and the soldiers, then he, after that he says this, so therefore anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And there's two very absolutes there. Anyone and all. Anyone. This isn't just for Paul and Timothy and the leaders of the church. Anyone. Anyone who would come to me. Anyone who would want to be my disciple. Anyone would have to renounce all, that's the other absolute, everything, everything to be my disciple. You must renounce all that you have. Your resources may stay in your possession, but at some point if he asks you, as, as a steward, but at some point if he asks you to give away everything, everything, right? And so how do we count the cost and advancement? And so, but this is a couple of promises that he has as well. He says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And, and Luke 14, he's like, look, there's nothing you can give me. There's not, no sacrifice you can make. There's no cost you can have that won't be repaid 10,000 times by me, right? There's, there's nothing that you can have. And he, and, he, and he gives the example in Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in joy, right? Not in sacrifice, not in an obligation. He found this treasure. Nobody saw it. I'm put that right back where I found it. And in joy, he went and sold everything he had, gave away everything, and then he went back and he buys the field. Why? Because if everything I have is maybe worth, let's just put some numbers on it. Well, everything I have, I got a million dollars worth of stuff. Not me, I'm just saying. I'm trying to do easy numbers. I got a million dollars worth of stuff. I'm going to sell it all, right? Enjoy happiness. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to give it all up. I'm happy to just give it all away or sell it all. Why? Because I got $500 million right over here in this hole, right? So, And that's what he's saying about the kingdom of heaven. He's like, look, the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure, There's nothing you can give away. There's no cost you can have. There's no sacrifice you can make that won't be worth just 10,000 times more when when you meet me. And then the last thing is this. We're closing with the scripture. It says in Philippians, this is uh, Paul. And we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Last time I spoke, it says this. It says, I once thought these things were valuable. What? It says everything, man. All the things this life can give me. Uh, all the titles that Paul had and all the, all the, the things that, the, the, the respect that Paul had as who he was and everything life can give him. I, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is worthless. Man, with just knowing Christ Jesus and for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. And He says, "To, to, to know Christ is to gain. There is nothing. There's no sacrifice I can make. There's nothing I can give away that's not worth it ten thousand times over with Jesus. That Jesus is going to repay all those things. And so, going back to the the, the, the point is that we need to remember Jesus when 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 we when we have a decision to make and 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 my worldly selfish dude desires want me to do this i remember jesus when i when i when i don't want to do the things that i know god's called me to do cuz i want to be lazy and comfortable hey, remember jesus man choose a heart. because it's I can tell you this in in marriage, man, it's, it's, I mean, because so many of us are married here, choose a heart. (laughs) You think it's hard now, man, it's marriage can be hard at times and, and, and being a disciple of, of Jesus in marriage can be hard at times, but only one leads to life. Only one ends up ending, ending in good things. Choose your heart. And Jesus is like, look, you think you're suffering for me because you're putting your stupid own pride aside? Brother, I will repay you so much more if you'll just listen to me and die to yourself and live for me and endure, endure in the things that you, that, that, that I've called you to. And all of that means different things. That, we all have different situations. But all of us, Jesus is calling us into to living with him and dying with him, enduring for him suffering for him and we don't always like yay we get to suffer right but man that's where jesus like that's where you're that's what i've been calling you to so i just want to encourage us to remember jesus wake up tomorrow morning and remember jesus when you start to get a little frustrated at home or at your work remember jesus When you start to feel a little um, uh, let down by things in your life or going through depression or whatever it is we might, remember Jesus. The point, that's how Paul started this to Timothy. Bro, remember Jesus. You got some things coming your way. You need to remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us and we thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. God, I just thank you for the salvation that you've provided to us through Jesus Lord, help us to wake up every day, to think about in every moment the bad news of the gospel and the good news of the gospel. We don't even know what suffering is. You've saved us from the the suffering that that we all had coming. You've saved us from a suffering that we would never be able to get out of. And so as you call us to you, as you call us to discipleship, God, help us to see the minor ways that we would consider suffering in this life, to be nothing, to not be a sacrifice at all, but to understand that you have have replaced the suffering that we all had coming and you put it on Jesus. So today we remember Jesus. We remember Jesus as, as, as fully God, as our Savior, and we remember Jesus as fully man, as the suffering that he experienced on the cross. God, help us to count the cost. God, help us to remember Jesus.